Today, we are so happy to be joined by Joss Cambridge Simmons. Known as the UK's leading supermanny, Joss is the founder of Jossie Care, a leading childcare service established in 2007. He is keen to address the male stereotypes within the childcare sector, as well as raising awareness on male self-care, mental health, well-being and love. Joss is passionate about caring for young children from birth to young adults. He has been called the baby whisperer. He has featured in media and publications, including Time Out magazine, The Sun and Now Chat Show. In 2019, Joss won the gender category of the National Diversity Awards. So hi Joss and welcome. Thank you for being with us today. Um, our first question for you is really just, can you tell us a bit about Jossie Care, how you started, where you work, and the ethos that runs through your practice? Um, the ethos is a bit, there's about two or three. Major, the major one is it takes a village to raise a child, because um, be it one time I was raised, I was raised by my mum and my dad in the wider village, godmothers, grandparents, aunties, uncles, and then down to having a childminder. And then also, um, it came about how the village that I'm in, my mum found a job, a job vacancy in the local gazette for Ashcliffe Day Nursery, and I applied for it. And then I stepped into that village of nursery, and that manager gave me a job, and then I've not turned around. It's been 13 and a half, nearly 14 years. And um, the ethos is stemmed from that and also a heartfelt approach. So um, I'm actually devising my own practice. It's going to be called a heartfelt practice. You know, you were the first people to ever hear about this, actually. But it's a practice that's kind of based on love. It's um, based around how to build healthy bonds with children, healthy relationships. And that kind of stems from how, how I was brought up and what I've experienced and then working under some of the best management teams you could have worked under, being a nursery teacher over the last 10 years. So I've taken a bit from all of that. And um, also a lot of filling up my own cup. I can't look after these children's cups of um, goodness and emotions if I can't look after my own. So um, my ethos kind of stems from all of those. And how Jossie Care came about was um, me working in nurseries and babysitting for um, the odd family from the classes I was working in and then building up a, and over 10 years, 11, 12 years, I built up a kind of repertoire and then it got to a stage where parents asked me to look after their children during the day and then I started, the, I got a business card for Jossie Care when I was like 19 from Mr. Print. The name, the name got registered when I was like 19, 20 and then I went self-employed three years ago and I kind of had, to, I also watched Daddy Daycare and I was like, I want to do something, I, I want to do something to that capacity whether it's a nursery or nannying and started nannying and kind of offer a bespoke childcare service that fits the family's needs and the child's needs especially and I also put the child first before the parents because children's needs are more important than the parents and if, they, if your children's needs can't get met I can't meet I, then I can't fulfill my role and my job so um, that's how it's kind of come about and now my registered company um I've got about 100 clients that use my services throughout the year. I'm a one-man band. I'm, I'm slowly working out how I'm going to like employ people. So admin, other nannies, other mannies. And um, it's been a really, really fun journey. I've been able to work all around the world. 
I was in Antigua earlier this year, Nanyin. I was in Saudi Arabia last year with Switzerland. I've won an award, it's taking me on TV. I've met lovely people like you, and I'm doing podcast recording, talking about practice. And I, because of my nursery background, I still see myself as early years, whereas a lot of nannies don't count early years mm-hmm. um, foundation stage when that's kind of my background, that's my foundation, because I think that practice that we learn through the framework, a lot of it can be used within the household. I'm lucky enough to have my outdoors at the classroom. So I risk assess, I take the children all over London and that's how you kind of, that's just in care, if I'm honest, yeah. And, and that's, why the, sorry, that's why the airplane logo works so well because we're yeah. all over the town, all over the world, so yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear how over that period of time that you've just described, actually a lot of things are fed in to your yeah. journey and you've listened you know you've 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 heard things you've seen things you've met people who've kind of influenced it sounds like that yeah. that road yeah. that you've taken which yeah. goes back to that it takes a village to raise a child bit i suppose yeah. doesn't it yeah 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 it's really it's really interesting Thank um, you. you touched a little bit um on the, the ethos around love that's really important yeah. to the work that you do so our next question was really um just that love comes across really strongly as something that's a really enormous part of of your work and what you do with children and families and I just wondered yeah. if you could tell us how you talk to children about being loved and loving um talking to them about telling them I love them and telling them how much they are loved so I often rephrase it as remember you are loved so when they're having moments where they're upset, frustrated, and they can't kind of gauge their emotions or speak on how they feel. I remind them how much they're loved. I remind them how much I care about them. And then also affirmations where I talk to a lot of children and I get them to repeat that I am love, love is me. Then when they ask you what it means, I say that you're love. And they ask you, what does that mean, Joss? And I said that you're full of love. Even when you're angry and you're sad, you're full of love. And there's a sad love and there's a good love. And that's why it's one of my tools that I've started to use um, is talking to them about having a full cup. So what's in your cup? Um, so if, if they're upset and I say, what, what sad emotions do you have in your cup? Should we take them out? Let's throw it away and let's put some happy emotions in your cup. And that concept is very basic and understanding for them. So sometimes I find them talking to themselves about what I want to put back in my cup when I'm sad. So that's another concept of how I talk, um, teach them about love. And also practicing it. So when I'm eating food, I make sure the food I eat around children is healthy and talking about what this food does for us. And when we love ourselves properly, we put the right things into our body, whether it's down to listening to high vibrational music when I'm with the children, whether it's opera music or reggae music or house music. I make sure I play the music that's got different emotions in it so they can kind of hear and feel emotions of every calibre. It's not just all about being happy. It's about embracing every emotion we get. Because sometimes it can be it can be hard for us practitioners to um, teach children emotions, and that's why I did so much work on myself. Because I can't I'm a big contradiction if I'm trying to teach you, but I'm not teach I'm not taught myself. Mm-hmm. And other ways that I teach children love um, are the ways that I kind of care for them, and the way that I give them independence and confidence. So often you might see me out and about with children and they're walking in front of me and holding my hand because love is also building independence and letting people go. Mm-hmm. 
and letting people come back when they place it when they when they feel feel need be to come back. And I've learned that from nurseries where children need secure safe spaces to come back to, and that's what makes a good key worker. We shouldn't be muddy cuddling and giving constant cuddles, but they should be able to come back for a cuddle and for. Um, a nice conversation and that reflects our older life where a lot of us that have our grandparents tend to see our grandparents on the Sunday that, that that's a universal thing Sundays we're with family whether it's grandparents or neighbours or friends so I kind of use that same ethos as well and love's underlying in what I do because without love I'm not able to do anything in life it's the biggest energy in the universe in, in my eyes so it's like the way I was loved has enabled me to go out and love others and also make a job out of it where I still DJ I, I blog I work and without love none of those things are possible and I know a lot of the parents that employ me and use my services use my services because they see the passion and love in me and then also the love that I pour into them and pour into their children because um there's days where I might not feel like working because I'm not up for it. I'm not. My well-being is intact, and I won't go into work because energy is very transferable, and I don't want to come in and spoil the seed. For example, obviously you can't always take days off, but I give myself one or two days off here and there, and that's kind of how I kind of grasp how how I put love into what I do in, in life, let alone just work. Yeah. You work with children across a variety of ages and stages, Joss, um, and different stages of development. What is it that you think is at the heart of relating to and engaging with children? Being in tune and listening to learn, not listening to speak, even from newborns up into teenagers. In life, us adults and us children will tell you what we need in life if we just shut up and listen and watch and often you listen with our eyes because we'll see what's needed and but a lot of that's reflective of the work you do you do on yourself as practitioners some of the best practitioners in the world are people that have been working on themselves mostly and the more work you do on yourself the less stress I put on you because I'm trying to find out about you I'm just getting to know you also like I said being in tune and building secure safe spaces and bonds and in a healthy manner. So your children are ready to come to you and come from you, but it's always on their time. We should always be putting children first and letting children lead in every capacity because it's their life and it's their emotions. We're just here to direct them and show them the right choices, but not make them for them. As adults, we can directly give them the choices to choose, but we shouldn't be guiding them to the choices to make. And that, that goes from newborns up into toddlers, where... A newborn might be being breastfed and might prefer one breast than the other. And then you're going to have to go with what he wants or what she wants. Mm. It's that simple. And we can't we often complicate stuff as well. So being in tune with children is, is the most important imperative, imperative as well. And prime example, nursery classrooms and households that have less available toys, children are usually calmer and happier. So you often mirror classroom or the household in a way where you've got resources ready available but there's no there's not too much not too little and then you often change it so you might have five handfuls of lego in the box rather than a rather than the whole lego and you might have put them into colors and those as well so simplifying practice for children as well and children need a simple effective approach um, not complicated because life's complicated as it is for, is for them because they're still dead. They just come into the world regardless of what age they are. So if we can simplify things for them as well, they, they can have a better, better understanding as well. 
Yeah, I completely agree. My background is generally working with children with additional needs, and that is always yeah. what I say. It's so important to form those bonds and make sure yeah. those bonds are high quality and yeah. based on what you have learned about that child, regardless of what stage of development they might be at. Because yeah. so. even when you've mentioned the additional needs, I've always believed that we should be approaching every child how we approach children with additional needs, because that extra space and time you give them all children should be getting that extra time and space, be getting more choice on activities, be getting toys put into colour schemes so they can learn colours while choosing toys. I've always approached children the same, whether they're autistic or not autistic, and approaching them as if they're on the spectrum because that extra level of care we give, that attentiveness, um, brings out the best in children, regardless of their abilities or, or needs. That's what I've learned over life. I love that phrase that you use, Joss, in tune. That's so, because that work, like you say, that works from a newborn baby all the way through to a teenager, doesn't it? Being in tune and noticing what that child or that young person needs yeah. from you in that moment. I'm yeah. speaking now slightly, I'm thinking of my own teenagers. <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a mum, you know, needing to be in tune with what, what they are needing from me right mm. now. It's, it's, so that phrase is such a great phrase to hold in mind. Yeah when you're with any and we, child and we don't get, we don't always get it right as adults mm. which is fine but um but the more work we do on being in tune with ourselves and within the earliest practice the, the better we can become at it because it doesn't happen overnight it takes taking it's taken me a long long time to become in tune with children but i became in tune with children from quite early and a lot of that was from listening to my to my teachers and and mm. to my managers and my management team and following suit because within working with children, parents tend to know best, and parents tend to know their children even more so. So sometimes, us nanny need to re-listen to their children, listen to parents, and ask the right questions in life, which I've been reminding recently. Make sure you're asking the right questions to get the right answers, so you know what to give and what not to give. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. We actually, that's interesting. You brought us round to the next question really cleverly there about families, because we were going to ask. How do you build um, relationships with the families that you work with? And I was thinking particularly because you're working with parents or parent or parents in their own homes. Yes. So that's um, quite a, another way of working. I, one thing I stand, stand on firmly is being myself. So I come, I, come in be, I come into the Zoom call or the face-to-face meeting or play date being myself. And I let, I let I let parents know that I'm I'm only can only be myself with you, and then also um, letting parents warm up to me when they need to be when they need to or when they want to in their own time, and um, if I'm nervous, letting them know I'm nervous because they might be nervous as well. Cause a lot of parents um, don't mind that I'm a male, but a lot of parents haven't ever come across a male childcarer, so it's the first for them. They don't really care, but it's just the first for them. So making that experience for them as simple as possible. So a lot of what I do is um, setting in periods as a nanny with the parents and with um, Mr. Jordan as well. Setting up a WhatsApp group with the parents as well. So rather than just having normal WhatsApp, we've got the group where I might put the pictures in, any details out of the forms they filled in, they can add to that WhatsApp group and have just have health and, and also build healthy um, parent partnerships, which I luckily I won an award for that um, when I worked for Bright Horizons. So I know how to kind of become parents' friends, but in a healthy manner. So you still have boundaries. And um, 
also letting parents know when they're doing well and telling parents well done. And I've told parents well done for finding childcare because finding childcare is daunting. I don't have children. And I often, as confident as I am in my practice, I often let parents know they're doing really well because I don't have children, but I'm classed as an expert, so to speak, or professional. More from them, more from children than I do from anything else. So giving parents the heads up when they're doing well, letting parents know that the children are amazing and that what their children are doing well at and what their children um, don't really enjoy and let, let them know that how I feel about meeting them and how I feel honestly and being honest with them as well because um, I'm going to be in your space seven hours, seven hours a day, five days a week and that's been able, that's allowed me to have a lot of spare keys for the families I work with so I housed it as well and it builds bonds but um, and then a lot of families become families with mine where I've, a little boy I've looked after, a little girl, he's now 13. I've been looking after him since he was five months. Hmm. So, like, I, I'm now, I've, I've been in every house they've ever lived in <laughs> up into the house now. He's a little boy taller than me. Um, the little girl calls me uncle sometimes because I used to be her nursery teacher and I looked after her from when her mum had a C section for her. So, I've, I've been seeing her since she came out of the room, basically. So they, 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 they're none the wiser to just the babysitter or just the nanny, et cetera. So, but it, it's paramount that I be myself as well. And I, and I stick to my, my ethos and I kind of stress my ethos and um, share my ethos, ethos in practice as well. Because it must I give my CV and also encourage parents to check my references. A lot of parents choose childcare is based on a nice CV, but I want you to go and treat me like a stranger check my references and come back. If you're happy, you're not happy, let me know and we can work on it. Because I don't want parents, because there's not much parents can do to safeguard themselves. As a nanny, there's no laws, like you don't have to be DBS checked lawfully. You can give your give your kids to me and charge me where I kind of want parents to make sure that the nanny's DBS checked. And that's why I've got safeguarding policies as well that help build that bond that I let parents see if they ask. I think um, from my own experience of my eldest gone to a childminder when he was just turned one, I think yeah. the simple things that you're talking about there, like the communication in a WhatsApp group, we had the same, and it was especially those first few weeks and months, you can imagine the sort yeah. of uh, your first child going off at that age and they're yeah. so vulnerable and young. And yeah. um, it was so reassuring to have that communication throughout the day when you were at work, be able to check your phone and be able to see that um, things were going well. So um, yeah. I think... Uh, as a parent, I really appreciate that. I wanted to talk to you actually, Joss, about dads specifically. Yeah. Um, and can you tell us the importance for you of a male role model and being a dad in children's lives? How do you reach out to fathers to support their children? Um, a lot so via blogs. So I do a lot of blogs around fatherhood and um, dad's parenting, parenting their children. And then also um, making sure I build as strong as a bond with them in the household as I do with the mums. Because it tends to be mums that seek childcare and book childcare, but the dad might be in the house when I'm doing the childcare. So I try to get dad as involved in it as possible. So I try to get mum to get dad to come to all the meetings or have a conversation with both of them. And also... Um, the same way I do with mums, let any dads know they're doing a good job. Because you're a father, how often do you get told, well done? 
unless it's from your kids, but how often do you have another adult tell you that you're, you're doing great as a father right now, you're really trying, or if you're not trying, well done for realising you're not trying. And then also, um, moving practice where um, man-to-man, I understand a lot of the aspects of other man's life and what we go through. And it's why I do a lot of work on the other side about mental health and well-being for men, because I know mental health and well-being for fathers is even, is even more detrimental because they tend to have a lot on their plate and not deal with it in the most healthiest manner. So um, I often talk to dads and let them know the kind of man I am and let them know that I'm emotionally available, I'm in touch with my emotions and I practice that with the kids and then I sometimes give them tools or give them games to play. Um, not because they need it, but just games to play with children about their emotions because sometimes um, we, not, we might want to help our children kind of elevate with their emotions and get to another, another, another stage, but we don't always know how to get there. So I make sure I do a lot of work with dads in the household and get to know them and have them confident to contact me themselves for childcare and not just um, leave, leave it to mum. But bearing in mind, we're in 2020, there's a lot of dads out there that are running the household. It's not just mm-hmm. the mums that are running it or they're going 50-50 or there's same-sex fathers. And I have a lot of same-sex fathers that I work with and a lot of them love the fact that I'm a man doing this. And um, I, I've, I've been I've been walking down the street before and seeing dads with their children and giving them a thumbs up because they just seem happy. Just just, just that little interaction does a lot for us, especially for us men where we don't have often interactions with other men telling us well done. Uh, speaking about sort of interactions with other men, um, how do your male friends respond when you tell them about your work? It's funny because um, I'm a big believer in synchronicity and like the universe. And I had this conversation with someone yesterday about, um, and they mentioned the fact that my friends love what I do. It's like, it, it's amazing to see. And my male friends especially have loved the fact that I work with children from when they were dropping me to work when I was 19 or picking me up to, to go and DJ after babysitting and they've always supported it and loved it and also um, little things like got me babysitting jobs or let everyone know that just babysits and this is from when I was 19 and I've had a few friends try to work in childcare themselves because they see that I enjoyed it see if they liked it themselves so I know I've encouraged a lot of men to um, stand up and try themselves as well as um, I think a lot of my friends as well were happy that I owned it that I didn't shy away from saying I work with children because um, and I think it's changed a lot of my friends ideologies towards men working with kids where ever so recently I've had some of my friends turn around asking for childcare and they would never have did this 10 years ago even though I'm their friend but I now I like the fact they're now looking at male childcare it's not just at me because I'm a family friend so the conversations with my friends over the years they've loved it they've really really liked liked the fact that I've um, worked with children and a lot of two of them have made me godparents (laughs) so yeah I've I've been I've been asked to be godparents for a few people due, due to my job role and it's gonna make my my friends sound pretty backwards, but they I've always had they've always supported what I've done, but they were completely grossed out by like the fact that I had to deal with bodily fluids from other humans and things like that, and they they could never get their head round the type of work I did sometimes, and that that was generally before they were fathers themselves, and I think now it's more. Um, 
yeah, something they understand a little bit more about that sort of role. But uh, maybe that's 10 years ago when I was talking to my mates about it. And hopefully everyone's moving forward and coming on a little bit. Yeah, and they often ask me, how do I do it when, like, child's always crying or trading nappies constantly. I remember when Arsenal won the league, which is many moons ago, <laughs> um, I'm an Arsenal fan. We were in Highbury Fields, and one of my godson must have um, put him, like, put him in his nappy, and we'd, we forgot the nappies. So I just put him, put him on my lap. I had to clean him with my Arsenal top and get and then buy a new T-shirt. I literally, like, there was everyone shocked that I just did it so quickly on the bench, and I was like, "You just got to do this for the last time." I bet the Spurs fans were loving that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a great story, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> um, whilst we're we're kind of thinking about about men in childcare, we wondered: well, are there any challenges that you face being a man in childcare? Yes. Um, being out and about in London town, as nice as London is, we're not always the friendliest town, we're not always the friendliest um, people. So I, I have often got dirty looks. I have often had people ask the children if they're okay. And I'm like, they're okay, they're with me. I didn't kidnap them. And if I did kidnap them, we wouldn't be standing here. And I, I'm, I'm quite sarcastic like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think it's rather cheeky. And then the, the biggest challenges come with... <laughs> Um, sometimes working in nursery settings because not everyone's used to working with a male so the older stuff that I've been there for years you end up clashing because they're not used to working with a male and we all do stuff differently and then also as a nanny going to agencies for work there's a handful of agencies that employ men but a lot of them kind of live up to the parents' expectations where they, they often need turn around and be like oh, these parents don't want a man and I think we can not force parents to turn around and change preferences, but I think we can do a lot to slowly affect that. When these agencies are just putting seats in bums. So I'm slowly moving away from working for agencies because there's only some that would employ me and put me on to parents. But a lot of them are just there to kind of fill around with a nanny. That's usually a female nanny. And that challenge is, um, it's been disheartening. You have, I have wanted to give up, but I never have. But then that's, and I didn't want to ever have to go in competition with people, but I'm now, it's making me have to forcefully start my own company, start my own agency to employ men and females alike. So I think that's been a challenge, um, trying to find roles as kind of, with agencies, but parents seek out my services through like daily and weekly. So there's no issue with me finding parents, but when I go to companies and sometimes they have the travel roles that I like, it's hard to get into with them because a lot of them kind of have the ethos where we've got a role for you. They want I'm like, they want a man that plays football. But I don't play football. And not all men play football. I, I like to do tea parties and I like to play in the sand with children. So you're going to have to find me another role. And they're like, oh, that's the only roles we get from men. And it, they don't really see the kind of waywardness of that thought process that they're kind of still pushing it out. So, yeah. So they're basing it on real stereotypes about males, aren't they, basically? Yeah. 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 It's interesting. It's yeah. really interesting. Um, it's, a, it's a related question, actually, which is what can settings and other organisations, so you've touched on the other organisations a bit, but what can yeah. settings and other organisations like our own do to address those male stereotypes within the childcare sector? Um, a lot of... 
I've always thought of an idea of a marketing scheme around, or like an ongoing campaign for men in childcare. So it's bigger than the ones we have on have on social media, like the one bus stops. We're, in, we're going to colleges and doing open days and going to schools and showing these children, these young these young men in the schools that they can do this as well, and this is what they can attain from it. You can actually have a life. You can actually have a, a nice life of working with children, and um, also the the pay grades where children's centres for the governments pay way more than private nurseries. That the, 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 the pay grade for government nurseries is wow. But the service but, but the service in there is free. That there's more there's more um there's more public referral places in private in public nurseries than there is in private nurseries. But then we're getting paid the highest. So there's a lot we can do around that. Um how we kind of address these men in childcare as well, not patronising them and making us feel cute for what we do, because there's nothing cute about working with kids. This is my job. This is what I enjoy doing. Like, I, I'm not going to make a woman feel cute for having a baby, because you, you had a child. That's what women do sometimes. You used to have children. Also, um, not putting men in positions where they have to do manly things, so not getting that man in the setting to go and... Um, fix the lock on the door because he's the only man in the classroom because sometimes you find, I've seen nurseries do that to, to, to male staff and not putting men with the other men because you think they're going to get along because they're men and then also I've come across a lot of nurseries that never really want to put men in the baby room because they feel you, you're going to be better with older children so a lot of like a lot of general conversations when I say what I do and that people are like oh you must be great with the boys and the big kids yeah but I'm also good with newborns because I've I've been a maternity nurse a few times and I work with a lot of newborns from ages two weeks. Same as any other man in this industry as well. So um, it's a lot of that. And I think we're getting there slowly but surely. And um, also kind of encouraging us as well to, to kind of find more men that might be open to doing a early, to do a qualification in early years, whether, whether they're older or younger. And there are a lot of older men are off put from the industry as well and put off sorry from the industry and kind of nervous because they're woman based spaces and they don't they don't even be found upon because they're 40 plus looking for a job with kids and kind of um have open conversations and dialogues but in I think more so in the media not just social media but on bigger platforms where they can, a change can actually be seen after that conversation as well because there's more men than me and Stephen there's a lot of us but we, we, we all need one we all need our voices to be heard it's not just just that needs to be heard there's a lot of us that might have been, been through way more than me in a small period of time as a male in childcare yeah. so I suppose linked to what you said there Joss if there was one piece of advice that you could give to a young man who was going into childcare what would it be um, go through it be yourself and stay open because you never know what you can gain from it this might lead you into being a secondary school teacher or being a youth worker you might realize you want to open up your own nursery because we still need nursery because people are still having children and also um don't rule it out but then i don't i'm not sure how they promote mvqs and childcare to children in college now is that do they put it in the same place as btex so they because i know a time there was a time where you would come out of college, come out of school, not have too much good grace, go to college open day and they would show you BTEC at MVQs. And MVQs and BTEC are usually health and social care and childcare. So putting them on a bigger pedestal and um, not seeing them as gender specific 
courses to do. So letting these men, letting these young boys know that um, don't worry about what your friends friends say. If this makes you happy, go for it. And then showing them men like Stephen and men that they can see to and relate to, like me, that like we're still men, we're still males, and even. And the men that are non-binary that might want to get into it, there's a space for you guys as well. Go for it. It's not just um, about our gender-specific men that can do this role. Non-binary males can do it as well. Or the, the men that don't have specific gender can do this as well. It, it's a job for everyone, but I've realised childcare is a job you don't know you're good at until you do it. So literally just go for it. Cause, and, and it can change your life. It can, it can teach you a lot. Especially if you if you start from young now in 2020 and then 10 years time or 30, 25, your life will be a lot different than how mine was because 2020 is a different year. There's more going on for men right now. There's more, there's We've got more backing in the classroom than ever. So your voice is always going to be heard within the classroom when I she's sitting. So this is, probably, this is probably the best time to go through it, if I'm honest. That's what I'll tell these kids right now. I wanted to I wanted to end Joss with something that I think it was on your Instagram but it was yeah. a it was a post or it might have been a tweet where it was so lovely where you said something about um a mum who was sitting upstairs told you that she listens to what you're saying to her kids and makes notes yeah. and then she's got all these notes that and I just thought that was so wonderful that idea that she was kind of you know what you were saying again about that two-way thing and you know that she yeah. was listening into what you were saying it really struck me yeah. that there was this wonderful relationship going on between you and the parent actually yeah. even though the parent wasn't in the room with you you know yeah yeah and, and that's also being yourself even when the mirror when the mirror isn't on you because there's always someone listening in life it happens to be the parent so um and because that parent specifically made me so made me feel so at home and appreciated me so much. It brought brought out even more in me. So, um, and because we had a lot of conversations about supporting them as parents as well, um, we wasn't afraid from saying, you know, what that was good or that wasn't good. Let's try this. So that's why the mum was open and telling me that as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's very humbling. It's very humbling actually being told that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Joss, thank you so much. That's all our questions. It's been so wonderful to hear everything that you've got to say and to hear your journey and your experience as well. And all the pieces, as I was listening, I could hear. I wanted to write them all down, but I thought that would look rude because then I'd been looking down like this, but all the bits of advice you were giving and I could like the bits about what settings could do and what, so thank you because I think it will be really helpful. And also one last bit I can say is that children are the best teachers in life. Anyone that's a parent will stand on that even more firmly and say that and that's that's what's enabled me to be the man I am and the practitioner I am and the more in tune you are and the more you get to know yourself, the more your children can show you if you just open your eyes and just listen a bit more. I think that's the perfect place to to end the podcast. So thank Thank you. you. If you enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review us. And don't forget to subscribe so you can listen again.